I'm delighted to be joined today by Dr. Daryl Pickett, who is a member of my congregation and also a friend here at Sidham Heritage United Church. And so welcome, Daryl, and I look forward to your words of wisdom that connect to uh, the rational aspects of Christianity. Hi, Paul Shepard here, and welcome to the podcast. You know, some people think that having faith means believing a bunch of things that you know are impossible. But here at Rational Christianity, we take a rational approach to understanding the Christian faith. We combine history, science, the Bible, common sense, and an understanding of human nature to make Christianity make sense. Everyone is welcome here. So, welcome, Daryl, and uh, I don't know what you want to say that relates to the rational aspects of Christianity, but I would love to know how your faith has changed and grown over your life. And tell us some of your story. I know you, your father was a United Church minister, and that's part of your story, but you can please tell it in your own words. I, I think the, uh, the biggest change in my faith, and it, uh, the change occurred over a long period of time, I can't really say exactly when I changed, but the, the biggest change, and I consider it to be the biggest part of rational Christianity, is uh, uh, throwing off the picture of God as a superhuman. I now do not see God as someone up in the sky who, who has arms and legs and eyes and is watching everything that happens is in total control of the universe and, uh, and orchestrates what happens like a conductor with an orchestra. I think that uh, God is a spirit, and Jesus described God's spirit as love. And so I see God as love, not as some kind of uh, superhuman who is uh, uh, directing what happens on earth. Uh, the original descriptions of God coming from the Old Testament came from people who were trying to describe God, which by definition is something that can't be described. And uh, so the only person that they knew, or the only uh, one that they could turn to to try to describe God was their king. And so God comes out looking very much like a king. And uh, so God has all of the attributes of the king, which means he's male. Uh, he's uh, very jealous. He demands absolute uh, respect at all times and absolute obedience. Uh, he is prepared to kill anybody who doesn't give him what he wants at the drop of a hat. And he punishes and, uh, and rewards uh, according to his own uh, ideas. And that's the description of God that comes through the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along and describes God as his father, but the God that he describes is very different, in my view, from the God of the Old Testament. And... Uh, also, though, of course, when you look at the Bible, you have to uh, understand where it comes from as well. Both the New and the Old Testament come from people. And uh, their descriptions, their memories of history are, uh, as anybody's are, uh, varied according to their own attitudes and their own ideas. 
And I've spent most of my life trying to discern from all the things that are written, especially from the New Testament, but also from the many writers about it, trying to discern the actual historical Jesus, the man who walked in Palestine and was crucified in Jerusalem by the Romans uh, uh, in the first few years of the second of this millennium. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know that, Daryl. So you have a real interest in the historical Jesus. How uh, how much how far have you gotten on that? <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. I've, I, I've read books by, by many authors. Uh, I think I've read all of uh, Jack Spong's books, and, uh, which I find they're really what started me off along this course or where I first, uh, where I first started on it. His, uh, one of his earliest books, uh, Rescuing the Bible from Fundamentalism, I think is a really good place to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, there are some, some deeper authors like uh, Dominic Crossan, uh, who I've been reading more recently, and uh, I, f- I find it absolutely fascinating with the things that they have found out, what the scholars look at and believe, and where so many of the ideas come from, and ideas that overlap, but the different writers in the gospel change what the previous one has written, uh, and usually it's because they have a bit of an axe to grind along, along somewhere there. So actually getting out the, uh, the historical Jesus is, uh, is a challenge and one that I really enjoy. So is there something you're willing to claim you, you kind of hang on to in the historical Jesus that impacts you? I, I think the, the biggest difference between, at least that I see, although I I have to admit right away, I don't understand many of the others, such as the Buddha, uh, nearly nearly as well as I do Jesus, because he's been in my life from day one. But uh, I, I think the biggest difference with Jesus is the idea of all encompassing love, and that that's where people find their their own fulfillment in life and we get fulfillment in life by our interactions with other people i've also said repeatedly i've come to the conclusion that our interaction interactions with god come actually in our interactions with other people that's mm-hmm. where that's where we meet god that's where we understand god right and uh, so i think the biggest difference is jesus is so encompassing with his love that he even said you love your enemies and that's something that not many other people have said. And, uh, and I think that's what sets, in my opinion, that seems to be what sets Christianity apart. Uh, because, because this man in, in, uh, in Palestine um, came up with the all-encompassing love and it's and even says, uh, you know, you can love your neighbor and love your friend and love your family. Pretty much everybody does that. Loving your enemies significantly more difficult. And yet uh, that's really what would make the difference in the world. Hmm. So that certainly reflects on the Jesus I know from history and the uh, what I call Christian faith. The Christian religion has often taken a very different view, you know, crusades and colonization and this you love your enemy thing seems to um, not always be really embraced by the church yeah I've always felt uh, that 
throughout the years and still, uh, many members say that they're, they're going to find God and going to find Jesus by going off by themselves and studying. And, and I, for me, uh, everybody is, is welcome to their own way of looking at things, and that's fine for them. But for me, that doesn't work, because I don't think you find God if you divorce yourself from other people. Uh, I think you find God in the interactions with other people, and that's where following Jesus uh, occurs. So that's the great lead into the question, where do you find God? <laughs> Um, in other people. Okay. Uh, I, I, uh, I say that, you know, people say that the church is God's house. And I say that's okay, but God, most of the time God's not there. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but God's there some of the time. God's there when you and I are there. Uh, but if nobody's in there, God's not in there either. God, God exists in the interaction between people. Right. And that's where love is. Yeah. Question. So, what, what do you what do you find in the church that appeals to you or attracts you, or what, what keeps you in the church? Because I think the church is uh, where we should find people who who believe in what Jesus taught. And again, the the main thing is loving one another, including one's enemies or people that we don't see eye to eye with. And uh, the church is where the people I feel. Um, should be doing that, and I think it's where they are to the best of their ability doing that, and so I want to be part of that. Good. That certainly matches my vision of church, which is nice <laughs> for me. Yeah, uh, but the church is made up of people, and and they're never going to do it exactly as it should be done, uh, and they're never certainly never going to do it the way I want it done. But my observation of you, Daryl, is you have a very high tolerance for people who want to do things differently. Like you don't, I never have the impression you're trying to force people to be like you. You want to be yourself. You want other people to be themselves. Right? My view of, of religion as a whole is that everybody is on a journey. And the journey changes constantly from the time we're born until the time we die. And everybody's on a journey and everybody is on a different place in that journey. And that place is fine for that person at that time. And they're not going to be the same place I am. And that's fine. And if they want to, uh, if they want to worship God by speaking in tongues or, or whatever they want to do, uh, and that works for them, and that helps them find God, then so be it. Uh, but that's not where I'm going to find God, that I know. Right. But the United Church generally is that place where we try to accept people as they are. I'm not saying it's perfect, including different expressions of God. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's uh, for me. It's the only church. But then it's the only church I've known. My father was the United Church minister, so you know I really have very little experience elsewhere other than just what I see on TV and what makes my blood boil. <laughs> <laughs> You can unpack that if you like, or not. <laughs> yeah. Be able to say what you're hopeful about? Uh, I, I guess I would say that, uh, that, I, that I hope uh, for people that if you are struggling uh, with your faith, if you are struggling with uh, trying to understand God because you, you can't understand a God who is supposedly 
omnipotent, is able to do everything, and is supposedly good, and, and yet, obviously, there are evil things happening in the world and very bad things happening, and yet God is complete control and knows everything that's going to happen. That stuff makes no sense to me. And if it makes no sense to you either, and then maybe you're interested in looking at a, a more uh, science-based or progressive uh, uh, Christianity that, uh, that doesn't tie us down to nonsensical passages in the Bible. Uh, you know, the, people have said many times you can use the Bible to support any position you want. Certainly it's been used forever to support slavery. Right. And, uh, and yet there is no doubt in my mind that Jesus of Nazareth did not support slavery uh, just because that wasn't the way that, uh, that he was and the way that I understood him. Um, but uh, I, I think if we, if we look at uh, what we really do know about Jesus uh, beyond what's just written in the Bible, then that's worth doing. Yeah, and that, that Jesus, to me at least, becomes um, a sort of more like a mentor because a human Jesus is somebody we can try to emulate. A mythical Jesus, you know, we have no hope. I can't, you know, I can't heal lepers and all this stuff, but... Uh, I'm very inspired by the image I have of a human Jesus and and, yeah. and how he acted and his relationship with God and and love. Yeah, me too. The 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 story, for example, of the loaves and the fishes, where Jesus feeds five thousand people with uh, with the the loaves and the fishes, can be looked at in two different ways. You can look upon it as a miracle. Jesus used this very small amount of food. By hocus pocus, he expanded it to feed the entire congregation. And that's fine if you want to look at it that way. But what does that say to me? I haven't got the hocus pocus words. I can't feed the congregation that way. But the other way to look at it is that Jesus uh, got the loaves and the fishes, blessed them, told his uh disciples to hand them out through the crowd and in the crowd there was very likely lots of food and so the people realized that here was Jesus sharing the little that he had well I can share the little that I brought as well and so I put I ate what filled me but I put the rest in the baskets so when he picks up the baskets at the end he has a great overabundance of food I think that food came from the people in the congregation. And, and now that makes sense to me. There is a, a prescription for how you feed the world. Right. The world has enough food. All we have to do is distribute it. All we have to do is share it. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to me in that whole story. And that makes sense to me. Then the story has meaning and the story is useful. Right. And the story, if you're not familiar with it, um, it's in Luke and um, one of the gospel, I think. But it's completely uh, vague on the process. You know, it doesn't say Jesus took rocks and turned them. It doesn't say. Jesus just said, get started, start handing out stuff. And then people were happy. So, you know, your interpretation doesn't violate the Bible at all because the Bible is completely vague on the process. 
So no, that's, that's certainly how I read that story. It's an invitation for us to share. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you heard that from me or you're trying to put me out of a job. But either way, <laughs> either way, I agree with you completely. Yeah. No, I've. Uh, that's uh, a long time thought. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. So thank you very much, Daryl, and that's great to get to know you a little bit better in this format. Uh, maybe you'll come back, maybe we'll have a more focused topic sometime, but uh, appreciate your time and your energy, and I'm glad you're in the church because there's lots of people who want the church to make a little more sense, and uh, that's one approach. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. Hi again, and thanks for joining in today. I'm Reverend Dr. Paul Shepherd a minister with the United Church of Canada, currently serving at Sydenham Heritage United Church in Brantford, Ontario. I'm also an environmental scientist with a PhD in physics. I am passionate about making Christianity make sense. Please subscribe to the channel and feel free to visit the church, either in person or online. You might also enjoy my book, Evolving Christianity, which is about taking a scientific, rational approach to Christianity in order to fight racism and other social diseases. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next time.